as you're having a seat, our children are going to be dismissed to Children's Church. Let's pray again. And I think that song serves as a good prayer. Come thou fount, come thou king. Lord, come. Lord, we pray this. Lord, longing for that day in which you will send your son Jesus. Lord, resurrection will take place. We pray, come. And then, Lord, we also pray until that day that you come, that you make yourself known. Lord, I I pray, uh, as Jesus prayed, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, might we understand our responsibility today that you have chosen to send your spirit to people to make yourself known through individuals like us gathered here. And so, Lord, when we pray come, we understand it is our responsibility to live as your son Jesus lived. To live in love and service and humility. Lord, I pray that you would, even today, as we say, come Lord, Lord, that you would, we who, who, who have your spirit, Lord, might, might you stir the spirit within us. Filling it, us as, as it were, uh, uh, Fill, filled to the brim with your spirit, Lord, so that we can, we can uh, interact and exchange as people of light. Lord, I pray. I pray that, uh, Lord, this message uh, today would, would be heard not just as uh, this meager preacher's words, but Lord, it would be received as your word. I pray that you would empower it. Lord, I pray that everything that I say would be true and it would be of you, that I would say nothing that is untrue and that is not of you. I pray that your spirit would, your spirit would cultivate our hearts so that your word will find good soil so that it could bear fruit in our lives. I pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. Um, <clears throat> many of y'all have heard uh, me tell this from time to time.
my dad and my friend had said that he, I think I keep moving out of range or something, but my friend said that uh, uh, he had uh, committed his life to the Lord. And I was like, what does that mean? And so I, I, I said uh, to my dad, I said, hey, my buddy did this. It was my buddy, Michael McGowan. He was a few years older than me. I looked up to him and I was like, I want to do it too. And my dad was like, okay, well, let's, let's just not do something because your buddy did something. Let's talk about this. And so, um, and so I said, well, what does this mean? And he said, well, when people say this, they, they typically not only are just saying, hey, Lord, my life is yours, um, but they might have some specific, specific ministry in, in, in mind. And, and, um, and he's, you know, we talked through that and, and, and basically at the end of the night, he said, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just say like, my life is like a blank check and you can fill it out however you want, God. And so, um, and so I did that as a young boy. I, I think I was probably in uh, third or fourth grade, maybe at that time in my life. And, uh, and, and then everybody who came in, like if an evangelist came in, it was like, oh, I want to be an evangelist. If a missionary came in, oh, I want to be a missionary. If a, a, you know, if a, a, a wily preacher came in, man, I want to do that. Right? And so there was like, there was like I, wanted, I knew I wanted to do something in vocational ministry. I went to uh, school, to Bible college, to, uh, to, to train for vocational ministry. And, um, and then uh, I came here and, um, and, and what I really wanted to do, I thought was I wanted to go plant a church. I wanted to go start a church. And my dad had done that. My dad started a church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and then uh, came down here to Friendswood. And whenever he got here to Friendswood Baptist Church, it was basically restarting a church. Um, the, the bank account had been emptied. There was five families, um, who, who initially gathered and said, Hey, yeah, we want to stay together. And, um, so it was like replanting a church. And, um, and so, uh, that I, I wanted to do that. I, I thought, man, that's what I, I, I really wanted to do. And whenever I was going through Bible college, there was major church planting movements going on and, um, some, some large church planting networks that had been established and they had actually, uh, been equipping people in, in really positive ways. Uh, to to not only to plant churches but to have success in planting churches and and um, and so I was like I mean, that's what I want to do. My dad said, hey, you should probably come work with me for a couple of years um, before you do that, and then and then you know we can send you out as a church planner. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. And, and very soon, whenever I got here, um, it was it was it, it became kind of apparent like this isn't just going to be a few years. This might be for a long time. And in fact, um, a after I was here for a little while, my, my dad began to kind of uh, tease the idea that maybe, um, maybe he would serve for a number of years longer and then, and then we would serve alongside each other um, pastoring the church and then, he, and then he would retire and then I would uh, become pastor and, um, and he would be pastor emeritus. And, um, and that would have been awesome and also very terrible <laughs> because my dad and I, um, we, we would have had to work through some things. Let's just say that. But, um, but uh, sadly, that didn't get to come. I mean, now I look at it, I'm like, that's, I would rather had that than, uh, than, than the way that things shook out. But um, when, the, when my dad passed away, uh, the church called me as interim pastor that first Sunday. He died on Sunday afternoon, and we had a meeting, and, um, and, and, and uh, some of the leaders of our church, they said, we believe that God's already supplied us a pastor, but we'll, 
we'll call you as interim pastor right now and we'll take time and we'll pray about it as a church and you pray about it. And as much as I wanted to be a pastor, as much as I wanted to be in ministry, I also had this, this desire to be um, a church planter. And some of this desire was rooted in genuine good things, and some of it was just, it, it, it was rooted in, you know, philosophical differences that I didn't want to have to deal with, you know. Like, I preach out of the King James Version still yet today, but that, that was something that I did not want to do. Um, I have no problem with the King James Version. I grew up with it. I love it. I, it but I felt like, man, I, if I'm going to go and I'm going to be ministering to people uh, who aren't familiar with the text already, I don't want to put a, 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 you know, kind of an obstacle in their way. And so there were things like that that I thought, man, well, I didn't want to have to deal with that. And, and some of them, they, they, like, like I said, they're, they're just philosophical differences or uh, or, 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 you know, uh, let's just say this. They're not deep differences. They were surface differences. And during that time, I can remember that the Lord gave me two words, two statements, if you will. Um, for one, he told me, he said, uh, if you think people, because I, I grew up in a, in a tradition, and we, we did a little bit here, but it wasn't so much here, but in the larger tradition of independent fundamental Baptist, people made, have made King James Version an idol. And they've, made, they've made it a mountain. And I've always thought, you know, it's not a mountain. Trans, translating a text has gone on and this is it's a translation we're not talking about getting back to the original hebrew and greek right i mean they, it, this is a translation and, and it's not the first translation it was for a long time uh, uh stood alone almost alone it really didn't stand alone there was other translations around it but but anyways i was not convinced with the arguments that made it a mountain and I thought one of the things that I did not want to have to do is, <laughs> is, is hold up a mountain or, 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 or remove a mountain uh, that I didn't even think should be a mountain in the first place. And so that's just a for instance. And the Lord told me, he said, if you, if you think it's not a big deal, like people shouldn't be making the putting weight to it that has been put to it. If you think that, he said, then you don't make it a big deal. Don't make it a, don't put it in front of my calling to you to pastor this church. And that, for instance, has, has, has played out in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things that maybe like personally I feel different about or, 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 or you know, um, and practically, or, you know, I might, I might see things different, but it's like, at the end of the day, if I make that a mountain, it's going to get in the way of ministry. And so I've, I've set out in this ministry to go, I'm not here to make Friends with Baptist Church look like Macaulay Austin, act like Macaulay Austin, have all the, all, all the, all the, all the flavor of Macaulay Austin. 
Some of it comes out and some of it has naturally done so. But, but, but what I want to be able to do is, is have a church that's united and we could all have some difference of philosophy. We can even have some differences and some disagreement on some, even some doctrinal issues. But we're not going to let that get in the way of ministry. We're not going to let that get in the way of loving one another, of fellowshipping with one another, of serving with one another. That became like, like a pretty big deal in my life. It was form, formative for me as a minister. And, and, and I'll say this, as I was coming out of Bible college, this was really formative because a lot of people that I had saw, seen coming out of Bible college or going into churches, they were, this is, this is the way the church should be. And then they were lining it out and it was everything that they thought that the church should be. And I, and I was part of a church where a pastor came in and he blew up a church because he wanted to make all the changes that he felt were, were not only biblically accurate, but even just that, 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 that satisfied his personality and his desires. And so it was like, okay, I don't want to do that. And that's why I thought, well, I'll just go start a church. Then I don't have to worry about, you know, changing the culture somewhere else or whatever. And, uh, and then the Lord said, no, if it's, if it's not a big deal, don't make a big deal about it. Don't let it get in the way of my calling you to pastor this church. The other thing that the Lord said was, and, and kind of like along with that was, all I'm calling you to do is pastor these people. And the way that he kind of said it to me, that I sensed it, and whenever I say he said it to me, I, there was no audible voice. This was like that still small voice in the spirit as I'm processing things, and I'm, as I'm wrestling with God and going, I don't want to do this, I want to do this. And he's going, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, okay, but let me talk to you. The other thing was, you know, this idea that I'm calling you to pastor these people, and if you don't do it, who's going to do it? And to me, that's not a proud, arrogant statement in the way of like, well, I'm the only one who could have done this. Anybody could have done this, and a lot of people could have done this way better than I've done it. So it wasn't like, I need you because there's nobody else. You know, it's not, this is not revelation where I looked and there was none. And then they said, look, the lion, <laughs> the, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying here is that the Lord was just saying very personally to me, I'm asking you to do this. Are you going to tell me no? And all I want you to do is pastor these people, to shepherd them, to guide them, to love them, to serve them. I'm not calling you here so that you can bring some innovative changes to the church. That's not what I'm calling you to do. And the great thing about that is, is, is my dad was a great pastor. I know that. And so I had this example before me of what it looks like to, to love and pastor a church. In fact, at my dad's funeral, a young man who had, who had uh, served alongside him, his name's Ethan Daves, um, he, he said that whenever he started working with my dad, people gave him a hard time. They said, you know, 
Rick's kind of difficult because <laughs> my dad was a micromanager and my dad um, was very uh, particular about things. And, and he said, you know, so people kind of gave him a hard time. And he's like, I, I was like, what did I just get myself <laughs> into? And he said, but what I learned, and this was the greatest thing that could have ever been said about my dad. And I thought it was so powerful. But he said, what I learned is that Rick Austin did everything in a certain way because he loved Friendswood Baptist Church. And he said, what I learned is that the more that I loved Friendswood Baptist Church, the easier it was to work for Rick Austin. That's such a great statement. So I share all this with you all because I, I, this was formative for me. I mean, this happened over 13 years ago. Uh, and, and today, it still seems a lot, a lot part of my marching orders. There are things that like, that, you know, you know, like even like we, we have women who pray in our church today. That's something that like I, I would have felt very early on, hey, we should be able to do this. But it wasn't like I was going to go in and go, hey, this is, this is biblical. We have to do it. It was, okay, well, I believe that. But, but we're just going to love each other and we're going to minister to each other and we're going to walk with one another. And as the Lord opens up opportunities, we'll let that happen. And if he never opens up the opportunity, that's not going to get in the way of, uh, of us loving each other, of us fellowshipping together, of us being united in Christ. It's not going to get in, way, in the way of me pastoring the church that he's called me to pastor. Now, that's my story about how the Lord brought me here. I bet if we were going to go around this room, you would have moments like that in your life too. Or maybe it was your marriage, maybe in your work. Some, some, some shaping moments, sometimes where you met with God. And you, 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 you wrestled over some things. Think, think about like Paul with that thorn in the flesh. Paul doesn't go to the Lord and say, you know, thank you for this thorn. You know, he said, God, get this out of my side. He's wrestling with it. I don't want it anymore. This is a problem. This is something that I don't want. And I bet if we went around the room, there would be some times where you were wrestling with some stuff and the Lord met with you and it became formative it became something that was not just for a season but it has been shaping you your entire life i think about brother ron i know this in his ministry he shared this with us before he worked in uh safety uh he's he does work in the safety industry he's done it for a long time he said that there was an accident a horrible accident um, where a young man uh fell and uh and 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 on his fall down, he hit several rungs of structure. And there was left on that structure his flesh and his blood. And Brother Ron was tasked as a young man in his early 20s to climb out there and to clean, clean up the accident scene. He said that was a formative moment for him to, to solidify for him. He says it was like a watershed moment. It was to solidify for him that this was the industry that he wanted to be in. He wanted to stop this from happening. He wanted to reduce this. And so he's given himself to the health and safety profession all these years. 
So I don't think that this is just something that I'm telling you to tell you my story, or I, I believe you have stories like this as well. And, and, and the reason why I think about this is because when we get to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, and Paul tells this story, what we've said is this was a life-forming, ministry-shaping moment in Paul's life. Paul wasn't just writing, he didn't just tell this story about, hey, there was this thorn. I've had this thorn in my flesh, it's still there, and I went to the Lord three times and I asked him to remove it, and, and, and whether it was, and the Lord finally said no, or the Lord just said each time, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. This was not just a small moment in Paul's life. It wasn't something that he was just using to illustrate a point in his letter. This was something that absolutely shaped him and formed him for all of his ministry and all of his life. And I arrive at that conclusion because it's not only here that Paul says something like this. If you were to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, you would see that Paul has already basically said this earlier on in the text. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, my pages will flip right. You look at verses 8 through 11. Paul says, listen, uh, well, verse number 7, he says, we have this treasure, this treasure, this good news, this gospel, this message, this spirit. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. Listen, we've been given this gift, this, this good news. We've been given this, 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 this gift of the spirit. We've been given, and, and let's just explicate this a little bit. We've been given the ability to walk in love against hostility. We've been given the ability to be patient in moments of Fear and anxiety and, and, and angst. Well, we, we've been able to, to, be, to endure oppressors and, and, and persecutors without spitting in their faces, without punching them, without cursing them, without condemning them. We've been able to endure all these things. That's what he's talking about. Whenever he says we have this treasure in earthen vessels, what he's saying is we have this good news, the gospel of a God who loved us even when we were unlovely. And a God who doesn't just love the Jews, but a God who loves every last person on this earth. The God who doesn't just love white people. He doesn't just love straight people. He doesn't just love men. He loves everybody. He loves those who today are the most confused about their sexual orientation and identity. He loves them. He loves them so much that he laid, he sent his son and his son laid down his life so that they could find a true identity in Jesus. Paul says, we have this treasure but it's in earthen vessels. It's not in, it's not in this fancy, it's not in this, this great priceless heirloom. It's in a rough pot that was formed out of the mud. And think about that, that's kind of what we are. We're some rough jars formed out of the mud. 
And so Paul, I would say, if we were going to bring it into our day, Paul said, I know how to sit with people who are confused about their sexual orientation and identity and love them deeply and genuinely. And not make all my conversations to them critiques and condemnation. I have this treasure. I have this treasure. Church, that's the treasure that we've been given. Let me ask, is that the treasure that the world sees? It's an, an earthen vessel. Why? So that the power of God might be seen. And I'm, and I'm kind of on a point, and so I'm just going to complete the point for a second. But y'all understand, this is not just the point. This is just illustrative of, of much other issues. But if we were to just talk about the, the people who are confused about their sexual orientation, sexual identity, and what it means for us to love them and to care for them and to, 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 to just, just sit down and have a meal with them where we're not every, to every other second going, well, let me try to change everything. Let me let the Spirit of God work through my love. Through, 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 my, through, through my affirmation of you and my love of you. Not my condemnation and critique and judgment of you. Let me let God's spirit be transformative through that. I can trust that. We, in a world where we want to show our power, you don't do that. Where you want to show your power, what you do is you, you, you hear people from pulpits go, let me pick anything that's different and other than me that doesn't look like me. Whether that is, whether that is you know, my, my political uh, ideology, whether that is you know, you, my sexual orientation, whether that is my skin color or my, national, or, or my nationality and what, what, what nation I'm a part of. And anybody who's different than me, let me tell you why they're wrong. And we've seen that happen in the church, haven't we? And I'm not here to say, hey, there are not wrong things in this world. I'm reading the text and I'm seeing Paul and I'm seeing Jesus who went and found people that were other than them. That were different than them. And they ate dinner with them. And they traveled with them. How different do you think Jesus and his disciples were? His disciples were roughshod fishermen, a lot of them. His disciples were um, a tax collector. His disciples were a woman who, um, who, 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 from what we can tell, she was demon-possessed when he met her. And uh, other women who were prostitutes. He found the other and he trusted that God's spirit would work through it. And that God's spirit working through his love had the power to transform. Paul says, hey, listen. 
Listen, we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the excellence and the power may be of God, not of us. He goes on to say, we are troubled on every side, yet we are not distressed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. We always bear about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look weak, beggarly. We look like fools. We don't look like the religious people who stay away from all of the mess. We are the people who get down in the muck and the mire with the people who are creating the muck and the mire. And we love them. And we care for them. And whenever people come in and they go, well, you shouldn't be doing that. We don't go, oh, okay, well, we shouldn't be doing that because we need to get this person's approval. We stand and we defend. No, I should be doing this because that's what Jesus does. And if he did it then, he also did it with me because my story is not, hey, I was just like a really great kid who, 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 who had it all together and God said, man, he's got it. He's in. You know what my story is? Is I'm a rebellious idiot. And that's not me being like lighthearted. I am a rebel to the core. My dad, we watched Top Gun. If you have not seen the new Top Gun, you are missing life. I'm telling you, it's so good. And it's so nostalgic for me because I was reared on Top Gun, right? Um, And um, weaned. Wait, hold on. I don't know. Anyways, uh, that's a weird... I'm not going to do that one again. Y'all just say, take that out of your vocabulary. I was weaned on Top Gun. and, and, And... And listen, I've told y'all this before. My parents being as wonderful as they are, they let us watch some highly inappropriate uh, movies uh, growing up. I mean, Top Gun, Grease, uh, National Lampoon's Summer Vacation. Um, These were movies that I saw before I started school, all right? I'm I'm, I'm saying before, these were formative in 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 my life. But I remember watching Top Gun, and they're doing a dogfight, and they're saying the S word and the D word, And my dad, probably feeling a little anxious, like, oh, no, my son just heard the S word and the D word. If he would have said nothing, I probably would have just thought that were words. But he was standing right behind me, and I'm sitting there uh, like crisscross applesauce, right? And and I'm watching it, and I'm fully enamored. And he he goes, goes, don't ever say those words, son. And you know what I did? Inside my little brain and inside my twisted little heart, I said, (laughs) <laughs> I said it. I said it right there. Like, like it was like, and my, my dad always used to talk about like the, the little boy in school who the teacher told him, you know, uh, to sit down. And, and he said, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. That was me. <laughs> I may not be saying it, but I'm saying it. Right. And then I learned how to cover it up. And I, oh, dang. Shoot. Right now, now. But what's really going on in my heart? Right. You know, it's a, I have this twisted, rebellious heart. You don't get kicked out of Bible college without having a twisted, rebellious heart. You don't get arrested at Bible college without having a twisted, rebellious heart. See, the thing is, it's my story. I'm not better than somebody else who doesn't get it. Y'all
Y'all can easily say, hey, McCall, you got it because you grew up in a pastor's home, and that is a grace of God. But how many, uh, we, we all know the old joke, the worst kids are the pastor's kids. And part of that is kind of true because there's probably this like innate rebellious quality that says, I don't want to conform to everybody that every kid goes through. And part of it is just baloney. It's just that you have these expectations that these kids are supposed to be angels and then they're Seth, right? Um, and they're, they're not angels. I'm getting away from this, but I want you, you can see it in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. In Philippians chapter number 3, it stands behind everything that Paul says. Everything, what, what does he say? All those things that I considered valuable, I now count loss. For what? So that I might know Jesus and fellowship in his sufferings. So that I can be weak and let his strength play out in my life. It's not only what he says there, it's what he says in Romans chapter number five, whenever he says, listen, we don't only uh, rejoice and celebrate that we've been made right with God. We've been brought into a right relationship with God. We also rejoice in tribulations. It's behind that. This, was, this moment was, it was life-forming. It was ministry-shaping for Paul. Everything that he did came out of this idea that I am going to receive the grace, the gift of God. And we talked about the grace being the, the spirit of God, right? Jesus said, I'm promising you, I'm going to give you my spirit. He has given us his spirit. And Paul says, whenever you walk in his spirit, that doesn't mean that you walk going, uh, you know, just like, like, like a hippie tiptoeing through tulips. When you walk in the spirit, you walk in love and joy and peace and goodness and gentleness and kindness. And you don't just do it whenever it is convenient. You do it whenever it doesn't make sense for you to do it. You don't just show hospitality to those who look like you and act like you and think the way that you do. You show hospitality to anybody. That doesn't mean that you are devoid of wisdom. Sam and I were approached by a man the other day and he was looking for something. And we felt very confident in the spirit to say, that's not, you know, my money is not going to go to actually helping this person. But the Spirit will lead you in wisdom to know when and when not. And you're not going to get it right all the time. You're going to miss out. You're going to flub it up. But behind everything that Paul did, this shaped and formed him. This is why Paul could have the ministry that he did. This is why Paul could, could be an embarrassment, if you will. And like I said last week, if I brought somebody up here and I said, hey, listen, what? Like, this person just keeps going to jail. Every time they turn around, they're in jail. And in my culture, they were in jail for legitimate reasons, 
Now, we would, we would love it if, if any one of us had to go to jail for preaching the gospel. We would think that was really cool. But if you are preaching a, 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 a good news, a good gospel message that Jesus, this, this carpenter son out of Nazareth, he, 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 he is the uh, Messiah of Israel and he's the Lord of all creation. And, he, and this was revealed. Let me show, tell you how this was revealed. They killed him. They, they sentenced him to death and they crucified him on the cross. And then on the third day, guess what? He rose up to new life. And if you think, oh, well, people in the ancient world believed a whole bunch of crazy things. Don't tell me, A, that that's not true today. There are people who believe that the earth is flat today. And people who believe it's round. And people, uh, y'all should understand, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just if we, I trust that it is round. But there are people who will argue, and, and, and they'll go on and on and on. And if I find out that the earth is flat, who cares? It doesn't matter. But there are people who will believe some crazy things. There are people who will, you have a whole, whole series of television shows that are, that, are, um, that are devoted to finding ghosts in haunted places. And I've not ever found one where they said, there's a ghost here. And we have evidence of it. Now, that's not to say that there's not some creepy stuff that happens in this world, and we don't know what's going on, and so we should all just, like, we all have a little bit of, you know, we should all be uh, 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 open to some weirdness that happens in this world. But we can't say, well, it was easy for them to believe in resurrection. It wasn't any easier for them than it is for us. It was a message of foolishness to them. And Paul would then say, and he's at the right hand of God, and he's ruling and reigning right now. You can't see him, but he's, he's on the throne. You don't go around preaching that message and being thrown into jail for preaching that message and look like a legitimate, valuable resource. You look like a nut. And Paul learned how to celebrate that he did not look like a legitimate, valuable resource. In our day and age, in our day and age, with everything that we know about the Lord and what he expects out of us, it's still hard for us to wrap our mind around what it looks like to love somebody who, who has a same-sex partner. We, we, we don't know what to do. Because if I, if, I, if I do, am I condoning it? Am I accepting them? Am I affirming them in their sin? Those are the questions that we have. Do we not? And Paul would say, hey, I would rather, I would rather people think, what an idiot who's so far off base and live and love people when they are being unlovely. And let God's Power, his spirit worked through that. Then to be one of the guys who can sit around in the group and criticize and critique and condemn everybody who's not like them. This formed Paul. I think it should form us. 
And what I've done this morning by illustration is shown a place where I think that we've gotten it a little bit crooked about what it looks like to let the power of God, the spirit of God, the love of God, the goodness of God live out in our lives. But it's, prob- it's not the only way. Right? That's not the only way that we've missed it. And so here's what I would encourage us with. We should be formed by this, but we sh- to be formed by this, I think we have to ask God to show us that we can handle the thorns. Do we not believe this? If we got rid of all of those people, all of those thorns, and we would be in a good place in our world today. Have y'all bought into that ideology? It's easy, isn't it? If we didn't have all those people, we'd be doing right fine. thing is, God says, I'm not taking the thorns away. In fact, Jesus told a story, and he said that this guy went out and planted wheat in a field, and his neighbor, who was contrary to him, who was an enemy to him, went and planted this weed that looks like wheat. And the workers of the field came to the master of the house and they said, should we pluck up all of the weeds? And Jesus said, he said, no, we'll do that at harvest time. For now, just let them grow up together. That's where we live today. And, and here's the deal, here's the deal. When you look at the field, you can't tell which one is wheat and which one is weeds. And I think we've fooled ourselves into thinking that we can. We fooled ourselves into thinking, oh, I know the difference. I can tell the difference. So we need to accept that God says, no, you can live with the thorns. We also need to understand this, that if the gospel is, hey, you're a thorn. And I can change you into wheat. Jesus can change us into wheat. Something that's valuable and something that is nourishing and something that is life-giving. Then we understand the reason why he doesn't take out the thorns is because you and I wouldn't have been here already. So let us, let us be formed from Paul's experience in this way. Let us be formed knowing The thorns aren't going away. But his grace, the gift of his spirit to us, it's sufficient for us. Us loving 
and being kind and generous and hospitable. Us enduring hatred and hostility, meanness. Us not acting unloving, unkind, hateful, mean. That is sufficient. That is sufficient. And actually, actually, that is perfected. It's completed. It's fulfilled. It has a fulfilling quality in those weak moments. I submit this to you, my brothers and my sisters. Submit to the Lord. May the Lord help us to be formed and to be shaped from Paul's experience. And might we learn how to apply it in our lives this week. Amen. Join me in a word of prayer. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for who you are. God, I, um, I come to you this morning, and I've thought of, Lord, my prayer is this. I pray, pray that I've done sufficient with the word that you've given me to give. I pray this, Lord. I pray that you would help us, that we would Apply the word that you've delivered to us. Uh, Lord, uh, some of us have, as we can talk about this morning, Lord, some of us have problem loving people who are not like us. Some of us don't have that problem. Some of us, we actually kind of do the opposite thing. We don't love people. Uh, well, <laughs> let's say this. We get arrogant and sometimes people think that they've arrived at loving people and they've just chosen to hate a different type of person. And so, Lord, I pray and I ask that you would reveal that to us today. Reveal where we are weak. Not weak in the eyes of this world, but weak in our utilization of your spirit, the application of your spirit, the living and breathing in your spirit, Lord. Show us where we are, uh, we are not allowing your grace and your power to live out in our lives, I pray. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, hear this prayer, uh, be with the prayers of my brothers and my sisters. Uh, go with us, Lord. Help us to live like your children. I pray in Christ's name. I'm going to invite you just to a moment of prayer and reflection. Talk to God about what God's talking to you about. And then Brother Mitch is going to uh, uh, lead us in our, uh, our last song.
Well, it's been a good day in the Lord's house today. We're glad you've been able to be here and be a part of what God's doing here in our church. We're glad you're here. Let's stand together, and we're going to sing you out this morning. Go back and reprise one that we sang earlier.